Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. We are in a series, we kicked it off last week, a series called I Am in the Gospel of John. As you're turning to John 15, let me read this to you. I came across this. I thought this would be appropriate in in light of the, the sickness, the flu that I have recently overcome. A woman went with her husband to the doctor's office. After his checkup, the doctor called the wife into his office alone. He told her, look, your husband is suffering from a very severe disease combined with horrible stress. If you don't do the following, your husband will surely die. Every morning you need to fix him a healthy breakfast. Be pleasant. Make sure he's in a good mood. For dinner, prepare an especially nice meal for him. Never burden him with chores. Have his remote ready with his sweet tea right next to his favorite chair. Don't ever discuss your problems with him. This will make his stress only worse. Most importantly, make love with your husband every night. If you do this for the next 10 months, your husband will regain his health completely. Along the way home, the husband asked his wife, well, what did the doctor say? She said, you're going to die. <laughs> I didn't get permission to share that, just, to, just so that you know. But I'm in good hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This series, I Am, and Johnny did a great job last week kind of kicking off this idea and the, the significance, the importance of these statements. In the Gospel of John, seven times, somebody say Seven. Seven times you see Jesus saying, I am. Interesting that he uses seven times. You know, seven is the number of completion. Seven is the number of perfection. And so when, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus says, I am, it's almost like he's giving the complete picture of who God is. Now, if you remember, Johnny brought us back to Exodus chapter 3. Because to say, I am, was a loaded statement in Jesus' day. In in Exodus chapter 3, we remember the conversation that Moses had with God. Remember that burning bush experience as Moses was in the desert and God began to speak to Moses and said, hey, Moses, listen, I've seen the suffering of my people. I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet at that time. He says, go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses was stumbling and stammering and had all kinds of excuses. How many know sometimes we make excuses? God has big kingdom plans for us, and it's hard for us to see ourselves in that context. But he says, if I go, who will I say that sent me? Who are you? Who are you? And that's when God said, I am that I am. Kind of an interesting phrase. We don't say a lot of that. That language is really unique today. But but when he says, I am who I am, basically he's saying, fill in the blank. Whatever you need, that's who I am. If you need strength, I'm strength. If you need hope, I am hope. 
If you need help, I'm help. If you need boldness, if you need confidence, whatever it is that you need, I am that to you. Can I have a good amen? Amen. And so the word literally, God's referring to himself, Yahweh. You can't even describe in human terms. You can't wrap your mind around this picture of who God is. So the best way I can tell you who I am, I am who I am. Am. And so when Jesus is using these phrases, I am, last week we talked about I am the bread of life. He's referring back to the language that God gave Moses at that burning bush experience. John's gospel says it seven times. John wants us to know that Jesus was not just the son of God, he was God in the flesh. He is Yahweh. And so over the next several weeks from now leading up to Easter, and I love it, we'll finish this series on Easter Sunday where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I love it. Each week we'll get a picture of who God is. And so read with me, please, in John chapter 15. Now let me give you some context here. Jesus is making these statements. If you've got a red-letter edition Bible, you'll see all these words are in red. These are the words of Christ. I'm not making this up. This literally came out of the mouth of God. But it's interesting how Jesus is making these statements. And in this passage in John chapter 15, this statement is made less than 24 hours away from Jesus being arrested. So here Christ knows that his time on earth is limited. And so he wants to send a very clear picture to the disciples. Don't be confused. This is who I am. John chapter 15, starting with verse 1. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I've given you. Verse 4, remain in me. If you remain in me, I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Verse 5, he's, he's reinforcing. Now, disciples, I want to make sure that you get this. Yes, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. For apart from me... You can do nothing. Can I have a good amen? Amen. Apart from me, he says, there's no hope. There's very little you can do. In fact, there's not a single thing you can do apart from me. Verse 6, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now, verse 7. Okay, this verse ought to come with a warning label. All right? I didn't write this. I'm simply reporting this. But I want you to hear what Jesus says. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Exclamation point. Wow. Sometimes I think we read through scriptures and we kind of hydroplane over the significance, the meaning, and we miss what God's trying to say. Let me read that one more time. But if you remain in me, And my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. Verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father in heaven. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? 
Oh, I love this. I, I love the, the, this passage. I, I love the imagery. Today I want to talk to you. One of the seven statements that Jesus makes, he says, I am the vine. I am the vine. Now, this was important. If you were a disciple 2,000 years ago, to hear Jesus making a reference to the vine, it would be very familiar. Because all throughout the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was referred to as the vine. The people of God were always referred to as the vine. If you read the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, consistently they referred to the nation of Israel as the vine, but it was always in a negative sense. It was a vine that never produced. It was an empty vine. It was a corrupt vine. It was a vine that fell short. It was a disappointing vine. And so time and time again, anytime you hear the reference of the vine, God was using that to talk about Israel, but not in a positive sense. He's saying, you've fallen short. I had so much more planned for you, but you're not producing. You're a corrupt vine. You're a wild vine. So here, when Jesus says, I am the vine, he's replacing Israel. He said, no, no, no. The vine is no longer Israel. I am the vine. In fact, what he's saying is this. Where the people of God fell short, where they couldn't produce, I have come in to produce everything that pleases God. Where they missed it, where they have failed, I have served. And I've given God, out of obedience, what he expects. I, I love this because what we could never be before God, Christ became for us. Now, this is so important. This first one, I got three thoughts I want to give you out of this passage in John 15. And the first one I think is so important. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Number one, we need to see this. Jesus is our source of life. He is the vine. How many of you know there's life in the vine? Sometimes we, we attempt to do things and we try things in our own effort and in our own strength and we fall short. Jesus is saying, I am that vine. It's no longer based on what people can do. It's based on what I am about to do and what I've already done. What's interesting here is notice the branches don't work to produce grapes. The branches don't do any work at all. They simply receive life from the vine and fruit is produced. In the same way, you and I don't work to produce godliness. We don't work to produce holiness. We simply receive life that comes from the vine and whatever good thing grows from our life, it's because of the presence of Jesus. Can I have a good amen? And, and this is important, and I want to say this from this platform, because I want you to know the kind of church that you're a part of. We believe in the power of grace. And so many times over the years, I've talked to people who feel they're, they're in some kind of works-based religion. And, and it's troubling to me, because I think sometimes we've gotten confused over the years. What does it take to please God? And we feel like it's up to us to do something, to say something. We have to produce something. And apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. How many of you know Jesus didn't die to give us some old, dead, dried-up religion? I'm not religion is about works-based. But relationship is grace-based. Aren't you glad you don't have religion? Somebody, and I kind of cringe when people, sometimes I'll talk to people, I'll meet people. And, oh, you're a pastor? Well, what kind of religion are you? 
I'm not a religion. There's nothing in me that wants to be religious. You know why? Because religion is based on works. It's based on what you can do to reach God. Every world religion has some sort of pathway that requires people to do things in order to reach God. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. But Christianity is God's attempt to reach man. You see, listen, when we were a vine that didn't produce, I'm telling you, even on your best days and your best efforts, you and I will fall short. And some people get in bondage to a thing called religion. Well, I'm so thankful Jesus didn't die to give us religion, but he died to offer relationship, something that's life-giving something that produces life. Religion doesn't produce anything. Works don't produce anything. And I talk to people who are under the bondage of religion, and I want to be like, oh, baby, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. It's not what you can do to reach God. You're missing what God did to reach you. You see, that's where grace comes in. Somebody say grace. How many of you are thankful for grace? The Bible says that you woke up this morning to new grace and new mercy. How many of you are grateful that when you woke up today, when you opened your eyes and put both feet on the floor, you were met with new mercy and new grace? Why is that important? Because you used up all of yesterday's grace and mercy. Oh, man. Listen, if God were to judge me based on my works, how many of you know my works deserve and demand death? The wages, wages are what you earn. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus said, I'm the vine. I'm producing life. It's not what you do. It's what I have already done. I think this is so important. Uh, Don't leave one bondage. Listen, some of us can remember being in sin, being in darkness, being uh, addicted. Don't leave one bondage only to walk into another bondage of religion, of works, of tradition. Listen, Jesus is this new vine that produces life. Tell you, being in in darkness in the world, that is a bondage. But there are religious devils that will keep you in just as much bondage. Well, we feel like, man, it's, it's based on an effort that I have to put forth. Listen, if it's effort that you put forth, then salvation is no longer a gift. It's not a gift. How many of you know that just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian? Just because I go to Chick-fil-A doesn't make me a waffle fry. Come on, somebody. But a lot of times we're trying to prove something to ourselves. We're trying to earn our way into right standing with God. How many know you can't earn your way into favor with God? Listen, when we stand before God, we'll have nothing to offer him except the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, when you look at me, I pray that you see the blood of Jesus that covers me. Why? Because he's the true vine. I have fallen short. Listen, I'm your pastor and I will disappoint you. But Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. Please don't put your faith and trust in a man. Put it in Jesus. He says, Israel, you have failed and fallen short, but I have not failed and I will never fall short. I am the true vine and you are the branch. I just want to lift a spirit of religion off of people. 
Man, Jesus died to give you life and life more abundantly. Why would you oppress yourself with all kinds of do's and don'ts? And if I do enough of this, and it's like we're checking boxes. Come on, are you with me? Checking boxes. If we can check enough boxes off, then maybe we feel better about ourselves. Or it's like a scoring system of credits and debits, almost like a checkbook. And some of us come to church so we can make a little credit into the account, trying to make up for the debit. Come on, somebody. The debit that we created last week, last weekend, last night. No, 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 no. You've got it all wrong. You're, 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 you're approaching this, this whole God thing from a works-based mentality. And Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Life flows through me. Life-giving. Let me just say it this way. When it comes to salvation, I want you to hear this. The only thing that we contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. The only thing you and I contribute to our salvation, grace comes from God. But our part in this equation is, I mean, we're guilty. We've messed up. We've fallen short. We've said things. We've done things. We've acted in ways. The only thing I contribute to my salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. And yet Jesus brings heaven's best. He says, I've come. I've walked this earth. I've taught. I have laid down my life. I took upon myself all of your sin, all the punishment that God would require of your sin. I bore it on the cross of Calvary. They put me in the ground, but three days later, that same spirit that lifted me out of the grave, it's available to you. Now I'm alive, and because I live, now you have life. Listen, who did all the work? Jesus did. Who did the heavy lifting when it comes to our salvation? Jesus did. I love this. A a man died and he went to heaven. Of course, Peter met him at the pearly gates. Peter says, okay, here's how it works. You need 100 points to make it into heaven. Tell me all the good things you've done and I'll give you a certain number of points for each item, depending on how good it was. When you reach 100 points, you're in. Okay, the man says. I was married to the same woman for 50 years and never cheated on her, even in my heart. Peter said, oh, that's wonderful. That's worth three points. Uh, 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 well, well, I attended church my whole life, and I supported its ministry with the tithe, and I even gave in kingdom builders' offerings. Peter said, that's terrific. That's certainly worth a point. The guy's like, oh, no, this is not going the right right direction. How about this? How about this? I started a soup kitchen in my city, and I worked in a shelter for homeless veterans. Peter said, it's fantastic. That's two more points. The man cried, oh, man, at this rate, the only way I get into heaven is by the grace of God. Peter said, boom, you're in. Somebody say grace. I I pray that this is always a place of grace. You know know why people are drawn to this house? Because there's life in this house. Because Jesus is the vine. We haven't come here on Sundays out of religion, out of ritual, out of tradition. We're not just going through the motions, through the mechanics. My goodness, if all we're doing is having some traditional experience, just stay home. You can spend your time doing something so much better. 
But you know what? At Healing Place, we believe that Jesus is the vine, that he is the source of life, and this is a place of life. It's a life-giving house because the vine of God's presence is here, and that life produces life. And in your relationship, I pray that your marriage is life-giving. I pray that your friendships are life-giving. I pray that your business is life-giving because Jesus is the vine, and he's the source of life. I've reached a point in my experience where if Jesus isn't in it, I don't want any part of it. You know why? Because there's no life to it. Jesus says, I am the vine. You know what's cool? What's special about the plant? It's not the branches. It's the vine. And when I look across this church, I see so many different branches, all different shapes and sizes all different colors and backgrounds, all different levels of education and income. I think it's beautiful. But you know what unites us? The vine. It's Jesus. I think this is a picture of what heaven's going to be like. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be waving our branch saying, look at me, I'm a branch. We're going to be saying, no, I'm only here because of that vine. When I said yes to Jesus and I surrendered to him, it wasn't anything that I did. I just invited him to, Lord, graft me into that vine. Lord, whatever life is flowing through you, God, give me some of that. Number one, Jesus is the source of life. Look at what it says, verse 5. He says, yes, I am the vine, and you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the second thing I want you to see in this movement, in John 15, where he says, I'm the vine. The second thing I want you to notice is this. Number two, we are fruitful when we're connected to him. Your life begins to produce fruit when there's a connection to the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do what? How many of you have discovered in your experience that without the help of Jesus, there's not a whole lot that you can do? Sometimes we feel like we're in control of a lot of things. Subtract Jesus and we can do absolutely nothing. Apart from me, he says you can do nothing. But watch this. This is cool. This is cool. Don't miss this. If that's true, then the opposite is equally true. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do all things. If I'm connected to the source of life, then there's not a single thing that I cannot do. I'm telling you what, if you need confidence on your job or a position that you're interviewing for, you ought to show up thinking, you know what? I'm connected to the vine. Lord, there's not a single thing that I need to walk in the fullness of your call for me that you won't give me. I'm telling you, if God has called you to it, he will equip you for it. But you got to be connected to the vine. You see, the plan of the enemy is to disconnect you from this life-giving vine. And he'll use a number of things in a number of different ways to do it. He'll use hurt. He'll use heartache. He'll use bitterness. He'll use offense. Sometimes we get hurt by people. Can I tell you this? People aren't the enemy, but the enemy uses people. I didn't say this in the first service, but I feel the Holy Spirit lead me down this road. Because some of you have disconnected yourself from the vine because of past hurts, and you've been wounded, and maybe you're carrying a spirit of offense, and the longer you hold on to that offense, the more bitter you become. 
And that bitterness begins to poison us. And God's saying, wait a second, don't disconnect from the people will let you down, but I will never let you down. I will never disappoint you. The Bible says in Romans 3, verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. What does that mean? Even when man's words disappoint you because he can't keep him, God's word will never let you down. God's word is true. Some of you, God's saying, don't detach yourself. Don't disconnect yourself from the vine. You see, as long as we stay connected to him, we begin to produce fruit. As I read this this week, I've been conducting my own little experiment of the soul, a little laboratory test. I call this the, the with God life. What does a with God life look like? Here's my question. How many moments in my day can I fill with the awareness of the presence of God? That's my question. How many moments in my day? Because I've said yes to Jesus, so I've been grafted into the vine. But here's the thing. The enemy doesn't want you to be God conscious. He wants you to be self-conscious. Come on. Can I say that again? Well, I feel the spirit of God bringing this. I didn't even share this in the first service. He wants you to be self-conscious and he wants you to lose your awareness of God. My question to you and to me, how many moments in my day, in your day, can you be aware of the presence of God? What are the things that you do? What are the practices that you embrace that stir your passion for the Lord? You know, part of Part of the routine that I've established in my life is just the consistent reading of the word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, my words, they are spirit and they are life. You know what? If there are areas of your life that are struggling to grow, man, plant God's word inside of that. God's word produces life. I'll read the scriptures and man, I'll feel this awakening in my own spirit. God reminding me of who he is. God reminding me of whose I am. Reading the word. And that's why through the app, you know, along this series, the I Am series, we've got devotionals and daily Bible readings that help you to, to maintain that connection. How many of you, whenever you're traveling in your vehicle, you've got good worship music that you play? Listen, as much as I love church here, some of my best worship experiences are in my Honda Accord. Me and Jesus, man, just cranking. How many of you, you like to crank that music up loud? And man, you driving and you just singing and you're totally uninhibited. I mean, don't care. You're making a joyful noise. Come on, somebody. Just singing, just worshiping God. And you can just sense the presence of God in your car. And then you pull up to that red light and you're just, man, you're in the zone. And you look over and that person looking at you like, what? And you're thinking, man, I could just roll my window down. I want this. You need a little bit of this, baby. You need some of what I got up in here. Oh, that rich worship music, that fellowship with God. Some of you, you need to worship more in your car. I've seen the way you're driving out on them streets. What is that? What are the things that stir your passion for the Lord? Do those things. I've got a, a stash of scriptures up on my, my, my driver's side visor. And sometimes I'll just, I'll just quote the word. I'll be driving down the, the, the road just quoting the word. And man, I, you know, about five minutes into that, 10 minutes into that, man, I'm just, woo, I'm just, just, I'm a sermon waiting to happen. 
Somebody just want to listen to me. I got something for you. And you just feel like you want to charge hell with a water pistol. Come on, somebody. Man, I'm just, man, just, the word of God is working. God's word says in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, his words, uh, man, they, 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 they create power in those who believe. The word of God effectually works also in those who believe. That word is stirring my faith, man. I'm speaking that over my life, over my wife, over my children, over my physical body, over my future, over this church. I'm saying, Lord, your word works. Man, you're speaking that word. Sometimes I pray in the Holy Ghost. Some be like, oh, pastor? I didn't know this was one of them kind of churches. I love it. Sometimes I don't have the words in English to even say. But man, I'm feeling it here. And so the Spirit of God, you know, through intercession is praying through me. Man, my mind is unfruitful, but my spirit is so alive. What are the things that you do to stir your passion for the Lord? Because when you're connected to him, you're producing fruit. Your life, it, it, it bears much fruit. Are you hearing me today? Can I tell you this? And let me shift gears a little bit because we've been talking about religious things. But, you know, when I play catch with my son, he's 10 years old. We were throwing the baseball the other day. I felt God. I felt like God was so pleased over that. My oldest daughter, she was sat down on the piano the other day, and so I sat down beside her. We were working on a song together. I felt the Lord in that. And my middle daughter plays the guitar, man. When she breaks out that guitar and starts to play and sing, I just sense the, it creates an awareness of the presence of God. Listen, don't think, now, we're not getting into religion now. I'm not trying to tell you to do a bunch of religious exercises. If that's the case, can I tell you, the Pharisees checked all the boxes. Did they not? Hear me, watch this. Did the Pharisees pray? You better believe they did. They prayed long and they played loud out on the street corner. They wanted everybody to hear them. Jesus said, okay, your lips acknowledge me, but your heart's far from me. Come on now. Did the Pharisees know the Bible? They knew the law of Moses inside and out. Did the Pharisees tithe? Oh, even down to the little mint they tithed. They gave everything, but yet their hearts were far from. I'm not talking about religious exercise. I'm talking about what do you do that creates awareness of the presence of God? Give yourselves to those things. Because when we're connected to him, we bear fruit. Now, let me finish. Has, has this helped anybody today? Let, let me wrap this up. Let me wrap this up. <clears throat> that word remain, it's used seven times in four verses. That word remain in the Greek, I'll ask the band to come up. It means to stay, to abide, to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present. It means to stand. It means to tarry. It's the same word that Jesus gave the disciples when he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. The same word, abide. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you want and my Father will do it for you. Now look at what it says in verse, this, this last thing I want to draw your attention to, verse 2. Bible says that God, the gardener, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. What's he saying here? He's saying those branches that aren't producing fruit, God prunes, he cuts off. Those branches that are producing fruit, 
What does he do? He prunes so they can bear even more fruit. You know what that tells me? You're pruned if you do and pruned if you don't. <laughs> Come on, somebody. How many know God's going to deal with us? God's going to deal with you. He's, he's going he's to deal with you. <laughs> like, I can't believe the pastor said that up in here. It's your Bible. This is the word. I remember praying one time, Lord, why are you always dealing with me? Why are you always dealing with me? How many ever prayed that? How many ever thought that? Lord, you're always dealing with me. Why can't you deal with him? Look at him. Do something with that. Can't you deal? Lord, please. You're paying it too close attention here, man. This guy needs a lot of work. Can't you deal with him. Deal with somebody else. And you know what I felt the Lord drop in my spirit? He said, Mike, you've asked me for a lot. Do you want it or not? Listen, how many of you have asked God for a whole lot? Jesus said, you can ask whatever you will and it'll be done. If we abide, I'm abiding in him. His word's abiding me. Lord, okay, deal with me, please. Deal with me. Lord, I've got a big dream. I've got a God-sized dream. And I know my effort won't accomplish it. But if I'm connected to the vine, there's life that's flowing. You know what, God, the third thing I want you to see is this, is that God will prune us. God will prune us for even greater growth. And here's why I wanted to end here. Because some of you, God's pruning you right now. You know what the word prune means? It literally means the cutting away of what is, watch this, the cutting away of what is to create room for what will be. And what will be is even greater than what is now. You see, God has to cut some things. Watch this. He's got to cut some people, some relationships, some habits. There's a certain way of thinking that God needs to prune. That's not producing fruit in you. That's not producing fruit. You've been doing that for a long time. Nothing's growing from that. I'm going to cut that away to create room for fruit to grow in its place. And what grows in its place is even greater than what was. Now, to the plant, pruning can be painful. Some of you are in a painful season right now, and maybe this is God's way of pruning. To the plant, pruning feels like killing. God, you're killing me. God's saying, no, 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 baby. I love you. Trust me. That needs to go so that this can grow. That's got to go because I want this thing to grow. And, and let, me, let me finish saying this, okay? For some of you, your toughest seasons produce your greatest fruit. Your toughest seasons. Some of you are in the most difficult season in your life. Please don't interpret the presence of your pain as the absence of your God. Don't misinterpret this thing just because it's painful. Don't interpret the presence of your pain as the absence of God. God's saying, I've got something for you. If you'll trust me, you will bear much fruit. Amen? You receive that today? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.